Brothers and sisters, yeah, I'm so glad that everybody's here today, both here in the house and, and online, wherever you are, we're, we're glad that you're here. If you've not met me before, my, my name is Ken, and I, I just want you to know um, that whether you're young or you're old or you're rich or you're poor, whether you're conservative or liberal, whether you consider yourself gay, straight, or something else, Crosswinds is a place that you will be loved and that you will be cared for because the God of heaven loves you and he desires to know each of you. And when you love people, you, you tell them the truth. And, and here's the truth. If you feel like God does not love you, the problem's not God. The problem is you have departed from him and his ways. Our mission as a church is to help every family discover God, his love, and his ways. You know, if you know who God is, if you know him, you can't help to know how much he loves you. Now, it's possible that right now you don't fully understand his love for you. And the way to get to understanding his love for you is to get to understand his ways by reading his word and, and by listening to it and by attending a life group and allowing his Holy Spirit to, to guide you to understand his love for you. His ways are, are not our ways. And so we really need to, to listen to him to understand his love. You know, I was thinking as I looked at our text for this week that God is both tough and he's tender. See, God loves me enough to tell me when I'm going the wrong way. You know, this week, uh, you know, Tuesday night, I had to repent. Actually, more than just Tuesday night, quite a bit this week. I had to repent for some of my, my attitudes and, and my behaviors. And, and as God first started to speak to me, I, I resisted at first. But, you know, friends, I was so much better when I finally listened and submitted to him and obeyed what he was saying to me. I was miserable running away from him, and I was so much happier when I returned back to him and his ways. See, I believe we all, at times, run from his love, and, and, and we try to do things our way. But his love is tough. His love does not run away from us. Sometimes he even needs to growl a little bit at us like a lion to, to get our attention. But his growl is to protect us so that we turn back to his tender love and find restoration. Now, sometimes we misinterpret the growl that he's angry or, or that he's mean, which can make us run away even further. But the truth is he's growling at what hurts us, which is often us. Our, our attitudes and our behaviors that depart from his ways will, will leave us broken. And we need to learn that his growl is actually protection and respond to it and come back under his gentle care. You know, the world or those that don't know him often hear his growl and accuse God of being cruel or, or, or they, they reject him because of it. You know, the Bible uses the image of a lion in both a positive and a negative sense. In most cases, it's used negatively. Our, our enemy is actually called a lion. The word of God says, be sober-minded, be wise. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour someone. Just in Africa, and I saw lions up close within as, as close as Courtney is to me. And they were just lying around. They're lions. They lie around. And it was because they were all fed. They had just eaten a whole bunch of wildebeest. It was wildebeest season. And, and, and they looked kind of cuddly, actually, laying there digesting. But when they hunt, they're not so cuddly. They're looking for an animal that's injured or is alone. And then they attack ferociously. You know, when we're out of fellowship with God's people, hurting and by ourselves, we are very vulnerable to attack. And so we need to listen. You know, for the lion uh, cub, is it not the, the growl of their daddy that keeps predators away? Isn't the, the growl of their daddy, you know, the one that calls the children and the pride to come close and, and, and find protection? You know, the, the book of Revelation describes Jesus as a lion. It says this, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. That's the, the positive verse of, of the imagery of a lion for Jesus. And, and today, I, I hope in, in the text that you will hear Jesus, the lion, roar. And that you will return, that you will come back under his gentle comfort and protection instead of continuing to run away. So today, please open your Bible or your Bible app to Luke chapter 13, verse 31. And let's learn about God's ways. In verse 31, it says, At that very hour, some of the Pharisees came to him and said, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, now, in most cases in the scriptures, the Pharisees set themselves up as an enemy to Jesus. They often came to attack him, hidden in the grass of their religious hypocrisy. You know, 26 times in the book of Luke alone, we, we see them come attacking, expressing contempt or disapproval of Jesus or his disciples. But here, they come and they seem concerned and that they want to help Jesus. Is it possible that this group of Pharisees finally heard Jesus? Jesus has been growling at them. He's been growling back at their hypocrisy, and he's been asking them to turn to him. And, you know, some Bible commentators believe that they had become allies. But I'm not sure. They're not necessarily drawing here to him for protection, they're actually telling him to go away. If they'd really been listening to his preaching, they would realize Jesus needed to stay and stay on course for their protection. You know, our words for concerns for others can be motivated, uh, or, or words for, uh, to us of concern from others can be motivated by their fears. Not what is ultimately beneficial to you or to others. You know, the Pharisees are not listening to God or his Holy Spirit. Instead, they have their own agenda that comes out of their own concerns and fears. You know, when their concern is, is not of God, when it doesn't include God's will. Jesus has been preaching about God's will. And the text says, 
at that very hour they came, that very hour Jesus was teaching them all about God's will, that unless they repented and turned to him, they would perish. And Jesus had demonstrated his authority previously in this chapter by um, overcoming evil, healing a woman with a a disabling spirit that had, had trapped her for 18 years. He also told them how they must enter a narrow door to to achieve his mercy and and live forever, or they would live forever in sadness and regret. And he he also told them that they must be fruitful, or, or they would be cut off. But the real threat that they heard, the real threat that they saw and understood was Herod, not Jesus the lion. They, they, they were more concerned about what Herod was talking about. They were more concerned with Herod's power than God's power. You know, most people, including many Christians, have more fear of the government, more fear of what culture says, more, more fear of what people think of them, more fear about what people can do to cause them trouble in their lives than they really have fear of God. Friends, the fear of God, our lion, is protecting. The Bible says this, that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Friends, we don't know what fears are motivating the Pharisees, these these extremely religious people. They, they, They could be afraid that Jesus is becoming too popular and he might upset the Romans that were occupying them. It, it, it might be that they um, were fearful that Jesus would upset their little power balance and disrupt their little kingdoms. But ultimately, they're telling the lion their protection to go away. You know, in many ways, I think we can all give God the message, hey, hey, go away from me right now. I want to do my own thing. Maybe we entertain the words of others that he should go away. You know, you're spending too much time with Jesus and and all that Bible stuff. You you just need to think practical. We we sometimes tend to trust more in what seems practical and, and temporary instead of what is eternal and right. So Jesus growls at this Pharisee's attitude with some protecting truth. And in verse 32, he says this, He said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and I perform cures today, tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Go tell that fox. He's not saying that Herod's a fox. This is not a compliment to the old man, uh, which it would be in our culture. He, He is calling the ruler of Judea sly and cunning like a fox. Now, a politician Like Herod might think that as a compliment. He might think that his slyness and cunningness is what made him successful. But in the first century, the word fox was also used as a euphemism for some who thought they were a lion, but they were really just a fox. You know, Herod acted powerful, but he was really just a puppet to the Romans. He and the Pharisees thought they were a a big deal with all their clothes and costumes and religious customs. But now Jesus, the true lion, is growling at them to let them know who's really in charge. The Bible says the king's heart is a stream of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. I think we need to remember 
that when we're um, either trusting too much or fearing too much our political leaders. We must make sure that we don't use our politics as an excuse to hate another cub of the lion. Or do, or do we feel justified spending more time watching and reading news shows about politics in our world than we do reading the words, the real true words of our king, who is really the one making things happen? See, the true lion, Jesus here, growls to show his authority. Jesus says he casts out demons and he performs cures. He's God's Messiah. He is the one really in charge. You know, Isaiah had prophesied about the Messiah, the coming king. He said this, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongues of the mute sing for joy. For the waters break forth in the wilderness, and the streams in the desert. Isaiah 35, 5-6. You know, Jesus is much slyer than old Herod. The word fox is also a homophone in the Hebrew language. A homophone is a word that sounds the same, uh, but it's spelled differently. It has a different meaning, like the word new, like a new baby, and I knew you. Those are both spelled the same. They sound the same, or they're spelled differently, and they sound the same. Or like when we talk about where something is or what we wear, those words are, are homophones. Um, in the Hebrew language, the word fox is a homo, homophone for the word Saul. And so Jesus is masterfully and, and, and kind of sarcastically comparing the king Herod to King Saul. King Saul was the one that persecuted the true anointed king David. And Saul, in his pride, ultimately did himself in. And, and Herod's doing the same thing. He, he is persecuting the true anointed king. And Herod will do himself in as well. Uh, Jesus, uh, in his satire, is revealing the truth that he is the true lion of Judah, not Herod, this little fox. We also see a, a prophecy or, or a reference to Jesus completing his great work of the gospel in three days here. The, the ruler Herod will appear to destroy Jesus in his ministry, but actually Herod is simply a pawn in God's plan. J Jesus is letting the Pharisees know that, that Herod is not a threat to him, He's not a threat to him accomplishing his work. And so the lion roars back again. He says, nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And when you see nevertheless, it's really the same word as therefore. And so you need to look back a little bit and, and see why is it therefore. See, Jesus had already stated his supreme authority in the, the verse previously, and, and, and that nothing will stop his plan. And, and Jesus has been saying all along that he must go to Jerusalem and, and die for our sins. And his growl is here to the Pharisees to protect us and them. He's, he's letting them know he's on the Father's agenda and, and nobody else's. See, Jesus did not have a fear of man. Even though what he said was not very politically correct about the ruler, it, it, it was not going to make Herod and his synagogue of Satan his fans and, and, and like him. But Jesus was in control, even though they thought they were in control. 
He was in control because of God's love for us. Jesus had a destination to get to, a destination promised from of old that he would go to Jerusalem. Zechariah the prophet said, And I will pour out on the house of David and its inhabitants, Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for a child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Herod was just part of Jesus' plan to protect us from sin and destroy our enemy, the devil. The lion is growling because he's in charge, not the fox. And he's in charge so that we might receive God's mercy. The the next verse shows us a, a display of God's love for us. Verse 34 says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophet and stones those who are sent out. How often I would have gathered you and your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Now, there's a little bit of a a roar in Jesus' words here. Uh, You know, Jerusalem is called the city of peace. That's what Jerusalem means. Actually, in in the Hebrew, it's uh, teaching of peace. And in the Greek, it is a double peace. But, But the truth was that that city was often the ones that were warring against God's will. God had sent prophets into their cities to roar in their preaching and, and warn the people and remind them to, to come back under God's loving protection. And, and so here, Jesus is speaking with a little bit of hyperbole. Not all the prophets in the Bible were killed in Jerusalem. Some of them actually died at peace in their old age. But, but three of the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel were all martyred. And the Israelites persecuted and, and, and rejected the other prophets that God sent to them. They shut their ears to God's protective roar. Instead, they tried to kill or destroy the messenger. And often this happened in God's holy city in in the place of his temple where his presence dwelt. And and Jesus is pointing out the irony that that these people that had more revelation of who God was than anybody else were often the first people to reject him. They, They betrayed the very one that had made them a nation, the very one that had protected them from their enemies. All because they did not like to hear God's honest roar about the danger of their sin. You know, as a preacher, sometimes I can get loud. Maybe not sometimes. I can get loud. And I can roar in the pulpit. But ask yourself, honestly, is the problem the preacher? Is it, is it that he doesn't care about you? Is the problem God that he's too harsh and, and he does not care? Or is the real problem your rebellious heart and my rebellious heart that that sometimes we don't want to hear God's warning growl? We don't want to hear it so we can do what we want. Many blame God. Many blame his preachers. 
But in this verse, can't you see the tender description of God? He's like a mother hen trying to gather all his chicks under his wing. And he does that for our protection and for our comfort. See, we're like those chicks. We're the ones rebelliously running away. How, how can a, a, a mother hen protect a chick that runs away from her? That chick's going to die alone without the warm love and protection of its mother. In the Bible, you may see the title uh, above this, uh, Jesus laments over Jerusalem. Je Jesus is not lamenting because he's going to die in a horrible way. He, he knows exactly how he's going to be treated. He's lamenting here over the ones he loves that are unwilling to come under his protection. See, Jesus has sent prophets to warn them of the danger of their sin and, and the danger of their enemy. And, and, and now he is coming to die for them. And still, they refuse to listen. They, they're too busy for him. They're just running around looking for their worms, looking for their, 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 their bread. And they're just peeping, peeping back at him. And they're pooping. There are, are some here that may have never heard about God's love and mercy towards them. But most of us have. Most of us have had, heard it over and over again. And, and yet we still run away. We still run away and, and, and go after our own things. And, and we still peep back at him. And, and, and we still poop on what he has said to us and, and attempt to do everything our way. Now, Jesus doesn't hate us for it. Jesus is crying over us here. Jesus is the major prophet that will be rejected and killed by the city known as peace. And, and, and yet, our Prince of Peace is crying over us. He, he desires that none of his precious chicks will perish. He wants them all to come under his protecting wing. The Bible uses wings often as a, a metaphor of protection, like in Psalm 91, 4, it says, He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You know, because Jesus loves the Pharisees, and he loves Herod, and he loves us, he roars again with some more truth here. He says, Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he, who comes in the name of the Lord. That word forsaken means desolate, lonely, uninhabited. Now, Pharaoh and the heresies and, and may, many people do, do not see their house as desolate. After all, Herod and, and the Pharisees, they had, they had the greatest temple. They had fine clothes. They had a, a, some of the best knowledge about God and, and some of the best intellects in their community. But without God, all that was useless according to Jesus, because they rejected and ran from God's love and God's ways. You know, those massive stones in the temple, some of them that would be 40 feet long by, by 10 feet high, massive stones would be tossed, tossed in a great city of peace. They would be tossed in the temple, and, and that great city of peace would be destroyed. Its people would be destroyed. In, in the year AD 70, many uh, of the people would be destroyed, and many others would have to flee. 
You know, the Jewish historian Josephus writes that over a million were killed in the siege of the city of peace by the Romans. And this all happened because Israel rejected God's rule over them, and, and they went their own way instead. And, and, and see, this is what happens when we leave our God. Our, our lives become broken. They become broken as we leave his protection. And, and often we try to fix it ourselves by hiding in our successes or hiding in our wealth or hiding in our self-reliance. But the truth is, we are desolate. And we are unprotected without our mother hen's care. Jobs won't save us. Economic security won't save us. Being popular and loved by others won't save us. All the things we distract ourselves, like sports and and media and alcohol and drugs and food and sex, they won't save us. And the truth is that we can uh, appear to have a lot of good things going on in our lives and really be forsaken in the midst of all of our earthly treasures. All because we do not have true treasure, peace with God. Today we live, most of us live in this pretty little suburb of abundance. It doesn't look desolate. Walk around. It it doesn't look desolate. Not like some places that I have traveled to in Haiti or Africa. But without a true relationship with God, we may be more desolate. You know, as in Kenya, 90% of the people there have a faith in God. You can talk about in the schools, and here, it's the opposite. So we may be more desolate in our wealth. Jesus called, or Jerusalem was called peace, but the reality was there was no peace in that city that boasted of peace. That's why Jesus the prophet came and he's roaring against it. Pretending there is peace and safety when there is no peace is is dangerous. If, If you think you have peace in life and you've not discovered God, his love and his ways, you have nothing. You you just have medications. Medications that are are diluting you. Jeremiah the prophet um said to the city that thought it has peace that that they were really in rebellion against God. He said, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, talking about the leaders, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, Jeremiah 6, 14. Religion heals our wound lightly. Success heals our wound lightly. Distractions heal our wounds lightly. If we're running from God, anything we use to heal our brokenness heals us lightly, but not ultimately. But the line of Judah and his preachers, they they roar because he loves us and he wants us to turn back to God and have full healing and restoration. And the line of Judah says with authority, I tell you, you will not see me until I say, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, friends, there must be a change of heart. You will not see his happiness and his protection and his comfort until you come into agreement with God. 
When you come into agreement with God about his love for you. Until you say he is your savior. It really doesn't matter what the preacher says. I can say it. But what matters is what's in your heart that's in alignment with what he says and what his ways are. The the phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is from Psalm 118. The Pharisees would have known it well. And it starts off this way. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Friends, we are not saved by believing in God. Friends, we are saved when we believe in God. When we believe that he is our mother hen who loves us and he wants to protect us and and he wants us to come under his protection. Verse 2 in that psalm says, Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Even though Jesus is roaring at the leadership, the Pharisees and, and Herod, he wants them to hear the message of God's love for them, hoping that they will turn back to him and believe. In the third line, it says, Let the house of Aaron say, His steadfast love endures forever. Jesus is hoping that all of their spiritual leaders from the the tribe of Levi, the priestly class, that they will repent. Even though they have led their people astray, they've led the people away from God, he's calling them back. The fourth line says, Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. He's even calling um, back those who believe Jesus is their lion and their ruler. He's calling them back. Because, friends, we all, as believers, we stray like those little chicks. And and daily, weekly, hourly, sometimes we, we need to return to his protection and love. You know, later in the psalm that Jesus actually wrote through the Holy Spirit, He said this, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. See, Jesus knows and understands our temptation to fear man. And so the psalm says, it's it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Princes like that fox, Herod. In, In verse 21 and 22 of this familiar psalm, Jesus, I believe, gives us the answer It's to turn and call on God. But he also shares with us the problem that our our pride is what gets in the way. It says this, it says, I thank you that you have answered me and that you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has has become the cornerstone. Today, friends, the answer is, is to turn from our rebellion to God and receive his love and and receive his protection. See, the problem in this verse is those that were building the religion, the the leaders and everybody, all, all the believers of that great city of peace had rejected God because of their pride. But even so, his steadfast love endures forever. Even though Herod and the Pharisees had had rejected and betrayed him, this cornerstone, Jesus, though rejected, will finish the work. Jesus will walk into Jerusalem and he will suffer many things and he will be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. But then after three days, he will rise again. 
because of his great love for us. Today, if the roar of the authority of the lion is not guiding your attention, to see that he loves you. Don't let it scare you away. Don't let the roar scare you away. Hear that passion that he loves you. Because see, the love of the lamb of God, Jesus, came to sacrifice himself, to, to compel you to turn back to his father. His father who sent him to die for you because his steadfast love endures forever. Friends, today, it doesn't matter what you have done. It does not matter what you have not done. What matters is Jesus, the Lion of Judah, finished his course. See, on the third day, he rose from the grave, accordance with the scriptures. He promised us the forgiveness of our sins, and he promised us everlasting life. But it's only for those who will turn to him and come under his protection by faith in what he has done for us. His steadfast love endures forever. For those who will believe in the authority of his roar and the gentleness of his loving sacrifice for us. See, the Lion of Judah has devoured our sin. He has devoured the devil by his love and and he has set us free. And if you are his cub, you will listen to him today and turn and come near. Let us pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for when you have to rebuke me. And Lord, I thank you for that you're both tough and you're tender. You're tough because you are so tender. Because you love us so much. And, and, and when we're not listening, you have to speak louder and harsher so that we may come to what's best for us. Father, today, if there's anybody that recognizes that they've been running from you, that they're not really listening to you, that, that they're just giving you lip service, Father, today, may, may, they, may they remember your love for them and, and may they turn and find peace, healing, and restoration. Father, if there's no, anybody here that's never heard that you're loving, maybe every story they've heard in the world was that you're not loving and that you're mean or that you're cruel. Father, may they hear today that, that you are like that mother hen that just wants to cuddle them and, and hold them and protect them for all eternity. Father, I, I pray that they will hear the truth of your roar and that they will hear the truth of your authority, that you do not lie. And that when you say you forgive, that you forgive. And when you say you give everlasting life, you give it. Because if they confess with their lips that Jesus is Lord and they believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. They will be forgiven. And so, Father, I, I just pray that right now that they would turn to you. Oh, Father, you are so good. You love us so much. And even when you're harsh with us, it comes from your love. We praise you that you are both the lion and the lamb. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Shall all stand. And today, if God's calling you to turn and repent, it's part of 
being a Christian. It's part of the life that we live. I'll be up here. I'd love to pray with you and share that with you and any new commitments you have. Maybe today is the first time. It's okay. Come. Come and pray as we sing.